All right. Hello and welcome. It's me, Roger Cyrus, back with you one more time. It's on and off the picture sporting podcast. I have a very special guest, Vivian Ayala, the non-executive director for the London Football Association. But she's going to come across me now and say something very, very And I'm going to say, I am, I am the first black female non-executive director at London FA in about 138 years when I first started in 2017. There you have it, people. And the, reason why, and the reason why I say it is because when you're a first, you need to be proud of your achievements. You've broken that glass ceiling. I think in sport, I've broken that concrete ceiling. And I did it. I, in fact, I'll give you some background. I wasn't going to apply for it. I went to FIFA for, an, for um, a conference. And I, and I met my friend called Scott. He's a really lovely guy. He used to work for FIFA. And he said to me, if he wants me to apply for the role at London FA, we were going back and forth, back, nope, 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 nope. He said, Viv, you need to apply. And I applied the last minute. I had the interview. And, and the reason why I applied, because I knew they had a new CEO, a female CEO, and she was brought in to do some transformation of the organization. So I had the interview. And then she phoned me to say they've offered me the, the am I interested in the role. Before I accepted, I had a long conversation with her to actually find out what was going on, what the changes are necessary, what, she, what, what her vision for the organization was. And it was through her that, um, I praise her for taking a stand to change the organisation because we're a very diverse board. We're the only sport governing body in the UK to have such a diverse board. And um, so I praise her for what she's done. If through, it was, that through, it was hell for her, but she did it. And um, yeah, so and that's how I became a non-exec director at London FA. Well, you know, I'm so glad you're there and uh, you are a role model. Let's make that very, very clear because uh, you are now part of history, stroke, black history. Let's underline the black. And I saw Fatima Samoa, the CEO, the Secretary General of FIFA, and she got the role at FIFA. And I was like, wow, if she can do it, I can do it. So sometimes we all need a prompt to yeah. see that if she can do it, if you can see it, you can be it. And that's why I always use a motto, if you can see it, you can be it. That's right. That's great. I'm also going to say, and uh, let me get this clear, you're an independent advisor to the police commissioner uh, uh, on race, diversity, and, diversity. and inclusion. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, just not, not, let's not forget the inclusion. Uh, let's diversity. not forget the inclusion, <laughs> race and inclusion. Right. Over the years, I've done yeah. so much with them to help them change. They're overseeing the recommendations of the McPherson report, overseeing the implementation of them. Yeah. Chairing the stop and search for London, all the all the boroughs reporting to me and another co-chair. Done a lot. Strategic, we recruited um, some staff, well, just under six thousand staff for the special constables for the Olympics, yeah. and we just missed. We just got under our target, but we increased the the black and Asian and minority ethnic first time ever in the police for special constables, and we increased gender. So what I focus now on, another thing, another challenging area is firearms. And that's, that's the uh, strategic firearms and taser um, working group. I think I sit on a forum, one of them I sit on. Um, and I work with the police, a bit about verbally, but I love it, um, to help them increase diversity in the recruitment and also look at their retention, but also from a community, community angle as well. Mm, that's good. You know, I'm glad that I'm being able to talk to you because you, you, you obviously you have a, a, a vast experience in terms of who, the bodies that you sit on, uh, the diversity and inclusion. Um, you have a very, I would say, a wide range in terms of, of scope. You understand the need for role models to be 
different. You understand the need for role models to be included. But the question that I have for you is, does diversity and inclusion equal success? You're very tricky now, aren't you, with that question? Uh, I'm trying. Um, let me think. It does if it's done right. If it, because like, I was, like we were saying off before we press record, yes. um, there's a lot of organisations um, now jumping on the bandwagon, oh, we're doing diversity and inclusion, we've got this strategy, and they are focusing on gender, which yeah. includes, excludes black and Asian women, a lot of black women, also focusing on LGBTQ, but yeah. focusing, but without the realising that black people and that Asian people do are from the LGBTQ community as well, especially trans. Yeah. Um, also, they're forgetting about disability. Disability is the ugly sister of the, of, the, of, the, of the equality characteristics. It's really ugly sister, which is a shame. Because to me, you can't do equality, the diversity and inclusion, without looking at everything intersex with each other. Yeah. So you can't turn and say we're doing gender, but we can't do disability till next year because we can't do it. We don't have the scope. Well, if you've got a woman who's, a dis, who's, a dis, who's got a disability, you can't tell her, we're going to do you today. We're going to do your half today. But next year, we're going to look at your disability. It is, it is laughable, but a lot of organisations are doing that. Yeah. Do you know, I have to yeah. laugh at that because it is quite funny to, when you explain it like that, but it does explain the, the need to compartmentalise things because you just cannot cope with actually either the need or you don't have the will to tackle the problem. It's not, I wouldn't even say it's the will, it's, to have, it's that understanding. And the same conversation I was having with a friend the other day, you've got a lot of CEOs who, who are back in diversity and inclusion, but haven't got a real understanding of that lived experience. Or they think, oh, leave it to, leave it to the diversity champion on the board, mm -hmm. they, and, and they can come back and give me a report and I know about everything. It's not like that. It's not like that. And the thing about it is, is that lived experience, which is so, so important. And a lot of CEOs who are wealthy, they don't really live in London. They commute into London. So all they really see, all they really see on the Monday to Friday is the BME people who they meet at the train station or the tube station or the security guards in their building, maybe the admin person, maybe their PA. But they don't really see them around the table. They don't really interact with them around the table. And that's what they really do. And, that, and you know something, it's really, well, not so funny, but it's really key that you talk about the adults seem around the table. We're all aware that racism is at the forefront of, of football in itself. It's, it, it kind of hangs around the football neck like an albatross, you know, as a bad omen of what's happening or what's going to happen. But the issue about diversity and inclusion is the only way that you're going to deal with that dead albatross because you can have success, you know, superficially you can say we are diverse, but are those individuals who make up your diverse workforce included in the conversation, which drives the direction of the success that you now put yourself on the platform for? Does it, for me, the two have to be together. And I asked the question of you, knowing that you recently went, and I've been studying you, like, um, I won't say some, some security like agency. A like a hawk, like, 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 <laughs> like I work for one of the like MI, like the MI, well, not, not quite. You see who I am. <laughs> now I see who you are. Yeah, okay. You see yeah. who I am, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's it's for me, it's important to understand how you see it and, and where do you see the, the kind of those areas going. But in terms of sport in itself, you went to the race and cultural diversity in sport event forum recently, and I know that there are a number of key themes. I mean, how 
how was the event for you? And do you believe that the event in itself is going to go in the direction where diversity and inclusion actually equal success? Well, let me, let me start at the beginning. Let me start at the beginning. The issues that I have is right now, there's a lot of programs like the right like sport england they mean well there's a lot of programs now to get more bme they've got a 30 percent um gender for mm. for for boards which a lot of organizations have a 30 percent board for um, um target which really means women for boards now when it first came out in 2017 um the new sport governance code is focusing on gender and they realized after 18 months later, nearly two years later, that black women were not getting uh, on these boards and something needed to change. And they did some surveys and they've now got a BME women's program to get more women on BME on boards, on sport boards. Um, and I've spoken at a few conferences about women on boards, women in leadership positions, the BME women in leadership positions. Now, the problem is two things here. Um, a lot of people now, not just black women, not a lot of people now are jumping on this non-exec director boards level. And the thing about it is, the issue is, it's about the recruitment of these people to get on these boards. And if, if you're a black or brown person or person of color, um, you you have that they want you to go through all these different leadership training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And as one person said to me, as, as a white lady said to me when I was speaking at a conference back in October, why do women have to go on leadership training? All women have to go on leadership training when men don't. Yeah. That's a question. That's yeah, what that, she turned around and said. That's yeah. it. Why do, why, yeah. do we, why do women have to go on leadership training to get on to get onto leadership positions when men don't? Men, men automatically, whether they've got the skills or not. That's the first thing. And also as well, Black women have got skills. They've been around for years. They've done so many courses. They've done workshops. They've got the skills and experience, but always overlooked. Another thing is, it's not just about getting on the board, which getting on sport boards or getting on, on, on any other boards. It's about having, the, what impact do you have? Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to have an impact. You need to be, and that needs to be shown in the work that you do. Yes, you could, yes you're visible, but what impact are you having? So it's yes, you, yes, aim for get, to get on a board. You can try and change things, but you can't change things by yourself. You need a you need a confident and a committed leader, who at the top who wants to have diversity in the organisation, and not just because, uh, for instance, in London, I don't see, I don't know, I, I still struggle why organisations are struggling with diversity. When you look at look around you, you can walk down the street any part of London, even even the highly um, areas with the most um, lots of money you hear different voices different accents different different um, languages spoken so how can you struggle with diversity and inclusion mm. i mean I, I mean the struggle is always going to be there it's it, for me it has been there for a very long time which is why i kind of posed the question because it, it you know the, the what i will say before you jump in the question is posed you know with the backdrop of the political atmosphere that we've witnessed for the last say three years where we've seen comments and remarks suggested or made about different color of skin or, or backgrounds etc etc but then within 
other areas, say in sport, say in some of the media, they're trying to go a different route and promote diversity, but doesn't necessarily mean that with that diversity, there will be a level of inclusion because the, the, the main argument, the main conversation in the background has been about going a separate way. So I, I generally ask the question, does it mean, do those two things actually equal success? And if they, if they do, you know, where are those successful moments? Where are those, 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 those key individuals that we can look at and champion and say, you know, this is what diversity um, uh, and, and inclusion looks like and, and the success that it, and it reaps. And, it, and for me, it's, it goes deep, deeper than that in terms of how we as a, as a nation, you know, um, celebrate the things that we do very, very well so that we can use that as a blueprint everywhere else or in another field or in another sector you know and it's it's you know i, I speak to you as a person of color obviously um because you can see me um <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it's it's that is a very key question for me it's at the core of what what i want to try and find out because as a as a fan of sports as a fan of of you know i'm interested in politics and everything else you're trying to look for those things and see where role models and where the role models are and how their shadow kind of kind of you know spreads out and touches the lives of others sport in one area has been pushed to a point where they're expecting sports stars to be role models but not necessarily the organization that that controls and manages sports they're the ones that we need and i think you've touched on that already yeah that's true um like uh, back to the conference that i attended last week yeah last week um, I didn't know what to expect, given given the the temperature out there, and it has been quite hot. So yeah. hot, been scorching. Like all the all the back and forth, all the viral comments you sometimes you see on mm. on social media, and now delightful. And I say delightful. Boris Johnson, President, um, Prime Minister. Some of the stuff that he comes out with. I would say for it and slip with the president, but I think you're probably correct. <laughs> some of the things that he comes out with. Um, he sets the tone, but I was, to me, you've got to have those uncomfortable conversations, especially with the leaders, because a lot of the leaders um, who are in sport, who are associated with sport, or whether you're a journalist or you're leading, a, you're, you're, you work for, you're a leader of a newspaper or, or the media, you have to have some sort of understanding. And there's too many times that incidences have taken place over the last sort of 18 months or two years, even before, even way before that, that leaders haven't spoken up. And I think the reason why leaders haven't spoken up because they don't know. They don't know how to. That the PR people or the communications people don't know how to, so they don't respond. And responding makes you complicit. Makes you, it makes people, people look at you and they think that, and that you're a laughing stock. You're a real, real laughing stock. And I remember I, at the conference at the, at the forum last week, on, um, I made sure I always start when I speak and I always say this conversation may make you uncomfortable, but we've got to have those uncomfortable conversations. It may give you an itchy bum syndrome because you'll be, you'll be uncomfortable. That's why I say you'll be twitching in your seat. But we have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And I showed a video of lieutenant general de silvia 
in the US Air Force who talked about, um, who spoke passionately and openly against racism that was written in the, in the washrooms on base. And he ended up, and I'll send you a link so you can add it to the show notes. And he ended up saying, mm-hmm. if you don't like it, you can get out. And we need more leaders to take a stand like that, to, be, to have a zero tolerance stand publicly and say, you know something, also as well, be courageous. Be courageous and bold and dare to lead and say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And can you help me? I need to learn. Because a lot of leaders give you this impression that they know everything, but we know nobody in this world knows everything. Nobody. And it's all about learning to, to improve and to develop. It's about the continuous learning that's out there. And you have to, you can't rely on your little sidekick or your deputy person or whatever to feed you the information. I remember Chris Grant was talking about how do we, how do we increase Bull's, knowledges, Bull's, uh, Bull's knowledge of diversity and inclusion? Yes, you can have to train him. But at the conference, at the seminar, he spoke about sharing information. And the sharing information comes from podcasts, comes from um, books, reading books and sharing book titles with people. It comes from sharing information. When you get, get told about conferences and seminars, share the details with people on your board. That's how you do the learning. Because, and that's what's needed. Yeah. Do you know something? It's, it's, it, those two elements really are the basis of a strong community. Of a strong of a strong nation, you know, there's a, a twist in the question. In, in does it equal success? But I suppose does it equal success? And I say, I look at our board. We're the first board sport board in the UK to be diverse. We have five Riemi, black and Asian, one Asian woman, and she and I say and I'm going to say this: she wears a hijab. So she's, she's, um, she's a Muslim lady. We have the four um, black uh, men and women, including myself. We've got four women on our board. It's first ever in the UK. And mm. we're very, very proud, but we're still learning. Even though we've got the black and brown face and the women around the table, it doesn't, learning doesn't stop. Yeah. It does not stop. Some people think, oh, right, tick the box, we're done. We've got, we've got brown people, we've got women, we've got black people, lady wears a hijab, we're done. And yeah. people honestly believe that. But it's, it's been a fight. It's, you've had, we've had to, we've got now, we have a new chair, he's, he's been in place nearly a year now. The chair's very pro me too, he's a great guy. I had lunch with him the other day and I'm telling him some issues that we've got. And he's, he's eager, he's listening, what can we do? And he wants to arrange a meeting in the new year, fantastic. He's really, really interested because when you look at London, we need to represent. We need to represent what London is. London's over forty-five percent people from visible and different um, ethnic minority backgrounds. Yeah. So we need to make sure we we deliver in football for those people in London who are all different. You can, like I said, you can go down to Knightsbridge, and you can hear ten accents within the, within a space of ten meters or whatever. And different accents, different different cultures you see. So that's London for you. That needs to be represented. And people who want to play football, not just playing, but also refereeing, also coaching, yeah. need to be a reflection of London. Yeah. And I say that one thing that we've done in London, which I'm very proud of, is we took some positive action. And I say positive action, and it's not positive discrimination. We were recruiting 16 new... Ke- 
people for our council. And we've got an advisory council that advises us and helps us with our to implement football across London. And um, we put the advert out, but we, we, but we needed more women to apply. So me and a couple of other people on the board, and especially our chair, we, did a, we were like foot soldiers going out. We've, we met, bumped into women, you need to apply. This is what you do. Do you play football? Do you like football? Having a conversation. If they said, yes, it's me, you need to apply. Everyone I met, you need to apply. <laughs> you need to apply. And we had, it was, we had a fantastic response. We had, I think it was about 26 people who responded to the, to, to the advert, who, who sent off the applications. And so all you had to do is write 300, maximum 300 words, why you want to be a councillor for London FA on, on, the, on our advisory council, and what can you bring? So we, we carried out interviews over four days. I was part of the part of the selection panel and we selected, and the women that came through, oh my God, they blew us away. They blew us away. One particular lady she's taken from, I think it was 20, 26 players to 700 in just 18 months, 18 months or two years. And these are women and girls. That's brilliant. So I've got her, she's on, she's on the council. And also as well, is, we've also got a diverse, we've got, we've got um, BME, 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 people of colour, whatever term you want to use. We've got them on, um, we've got a good mix of how we, in, in the recruitment process we did. But also as well, they bring diversity of thought. They bring lived experience. Women bring lived experience. They operate differently. And they've got so much to offer London FA. It's unreal. And it's really enjoyable listening to them and, and share, listen to their experiences and what they have to offer. And also as well, we've now set up, we have a women's strategy, which is led by Laura Foster in the office. Um, and I chair the women's, women's advisory, women and girls advisory group. And so we're looking to implement, over, that group oversees our objectives and our goals to making sure that we are following what's set out in our strategy. So we are really, really committed. But if it wasn't, I, 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 put, I put the proposals together for the Women and uh, Girls Advisory Committee because we had to do something. It was accepted by the chair, accepted by the CEO. And we're the only FA in, in the UK to have one like that. We're the yes. only FA to have, to have a, a minimum eight extra women on their council. That's really good. So, so we, we're breaking, we're breaking making history but a lot more needs to be done right across football yeah well uh, do you know so I, there are a couple of things that I, I, I have in the back of my mind in terms of the questions you say a lot more needs to be done about football at the conference one of the key themes was to and i'm looking at it now recruit improve recruitment and representation in the sport media in terms of diversity and inclusion um break down barriers, which I believe you're already doing, but how is that going, what is that going to look like in say 12 months time or 24 months time? Oh, you know, I was having some, some same sort of thing. I was, I was having conversations with people recently. Now, if, if we as people of color do not apply and do not see people like us in those positions, we won't apply. So it's a, it's a catch 22. We know that people like us don't, are not in senior positions in sport, 
especially across the small governing bodies. There's not one black CEO um, or or in the in the leadership in the leadership um, in the leadership management team. Um, there are. I could be wrong. If correct me if I, if someone says it, I could be wrong, but I don't think there is. Um, I'm trying to think. Probably, I'm trying to think of. I'm I think there's, sure a, I think there's, a, I think there's a black lady who does boxing. She yeah. chairs boxing. I think she chairs. She's she's a CEO or she chairs boxing. Yeah. But that but that's the only one. Um, but the thing about it is, we don't see enough of ourselves represented to, and it puts off, off puts us off from applying. Um, but then again, it's that recruitment process. If yeah. the recruitment process still recruits people who look like them, you're not going to win. So yeah. it's, it's really a catch-22. You, it's about like when you look at the millennials now. And I hate the term the, the younger people when they're looking for a job. They're doing their homework. They're not just yeah. sending that CV. I want to work for this company because they um, they've gone to the moon and back. They're doing their homework to find out oh, is it sustainability, is it this, is it that, is it very environmental, can, what can they do for me? So that's what now people who are applying for, for organisations are looking at. Do I see myself in those roles? And a lot of the times they don't, so they won't apply. Now, if you don't apply, you can't change the narrative. Yeah. So you have to be, you have, you, what you said was really key about the recruitment process. And to, just to step away from sport, uh, to get an example, the BBC, who, you know, have had a bit of a tough time recently, are making a commitment to promote middle managers. Is that something, or is that an indication of, in terms of the way that the, that, that the BBC are going? And could uh, something similar to that be used within the football world in terms of, you'd say promoting middle managers, promoting managers to CEO level? Um, the BBC, is, for, from what I've read, is only for 12 months. So it's giving oh. someone some, a temporary secondment. Oh. So it's like, like, it's like a programme, it's short-lived. I don't know what happens after that. Um, <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> or, or, or Sorry, that one's, that one's <laughs> possibly, uh, you, 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 could, you couldn't resist, could you? You couldn't I could resist. Have, I couldn't resist. Um, Sorry. The thing, the thing about it is not just promoting people in those positions. It's the culture. Mm. If the culture isn't right, culture and behaviours... Of the, of the whole organization. Can I bring myself to work? Do I feel like I belong? Like, and I'll give you an example. Like I said, we recruited eight new women to our council. Now, what's keeping me is we've got to make sure they feel that they belong. We've got to make yeah. sure they feel that they can contribute. We've got to make sure they, when they come to the meetings, that they, are, they feel that they, they should be there. And that's what I think a lot of organizations are forgetting. Now, we're doing diversity. We get, we get some brown faces in, we get a disabled person, a disabled person, a Sikh person, um, even better. LGBT person, LGBTQ person, even better. But are they inclusive? Do they feel like they, they belong? And I think that's what's forgotten. That's what's really, really forgotten. And, it, and you can't forget because there's no point in spending all this money on recruitment and you're not an inclusive, you're not an inclusive organization. I can't feel that I can bring myself to work. Mm. So I'm still hiding. I'm still not telling you what I did at the weekends um, because everybody else is going down the pub drinking and I don't really drink. 
So I'm obviously I'm on the outside. So there's a cult. So the culture is all about is if it's a drinking culture, is it the culture where it's, it's a it's a sort of so it's it's the culture is very very important culture and behaviours. So once you start start working on that, then people will sort of still start applying. And it being the first is hard, but once you know, like I said, the reason that I applied for London FA, so I had a conversation with Lisa, the previous CEO. I knew what her vision was, so I knew that I could co I could contribute. Yeah, I could be part of it. Yeah, do you know what? I'm I'm really conscious because I know you have another appointment coming up very, no, very we, soon. We've got we've got about ten minutes. We've got about okay, ten minutes. Okay, that's left. fine. Um, so I want to kind of get bring it back to the the question in itself: diversity and inclusion equals success? Question mark. You would say yes. I'm I'm kind of hazarding a guess, but there are conditions to the yes. Yes, I do say yes, it does equal success because you want an organisation that there are people who bring different different ideas and different thoughts to the table. You don't want an organisation where all the group think, especially when you're... I, I don't understand how any organisation can have people who all look like them and have the same thought process when you're operating in the business. Your customers are very diverse, so you need to have people around that decision-making table as we've seen it, how over the last over this last year, even down to fashion, H and M have made mistakes. Um, other other companies, Gucci have made mistakes because they've had they've had that group think all white people around the table thinking and making a decision to have a black face yeah. on on, yeah. on on the mask or, on the, or, on a piece of on, on a garment. Yeah, or on the or on the so, poster. No, on the poster. Oh God, don't even talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, but you've got so it's important that diversity and inclusion you have it, but it doesn't happen overnight. You have to work it and you have to have a commitment from the the very top, but also it's top down, bottom up. So top down in terms of a commitment, bottom up in terms of actually saying, I want to be there, I want to make a difference, I want to contribute to the conversation and and actually have the organisation reflect the community that I live in. Yeah, but also when I say top down, the CEO needs to, when they have town halls at work, they need to talk about diversity. When they have their board meetings, they need to talk about diversity. The CEO needs to send out positive messages. The staff and senior management team needs to do like, for instance, um, blogs, regular blogs on about them, because that's how you, when you can, when you feel that you can connect with somebody, you're your way. You yeah. are, you are, you 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 feel that you can belong. So, for instance, I run an organisation. I did some work with one of the, I did on mental health, and one of the, one of the C, one of the leadership team. She can she before we had the mental health week, she 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 joined the leadership team and she wrote a blog about her mental health issues. But she was saying, if it wasn't for us discussing mental health, she would never share her experiences. Mm. And those experiences, what she shared, went around the organization and people were like, okay, they felt that they can share too. They mm. can talk about their own experiences. And, they, and it's about learning, it's not just about one way, it's, it's a two way. Yeah, and, and it, the, 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 I suppose the art of conversation in itself facilitates someone else responding so if you open up the dialogue in a sense that you're being inclusive, then people will contribute to it. And then in turns, you grow and they grow. You're learning in that kind of cycle. And 
obviously the two coming together, then you actually a much stronger organization. Yeah, most definitely. Like like the event last week, um, there was a Dr. Marlon. He's a senior lecturer at the University of Brighton, mm. and he's a, and he's he was talking about the Black British Cycling Champions. Now you know, something, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, so I, I like snowboarding, I like skiing, cross country. But you know, in my head, I can yeah. snowboard, flip all that lot. But the reality is very, very, very different. And um, and I like Tour de France because it's it's a great. And I see those guys and the women cycling, and I just love it because when I was younger, I had my own little push bike, but I was never cycling like they do. But I just I'm just fascinated by a lot of sport. And he shared some information about the lack of black British cyclists when he actually showed up pictures on the screen for, on his presentation of, of Team GB, whether it's road cycling or track cycling, they're all white. Mm. All white, apart from the Paralympics. And you've got, I think, Kadeem. Um, yeah. yeah, you've got her. And that's the only one. And they're all white. And these are elite. So what got me curious, because I know a friend who lives over, over north, over south side, and he's, he's part of a cycling club. And so I, so when at the event, I was messaging him, and he said to me, yeah, they're doing, they're doing a trip to Ghana. This is what, he said, they're, they're, there's this African called Ride Fest, sponsored by Prudential, and they're doing it in Ghana next year. This is me, well, mm. so I did so quickly, I did some research, and you find that cycling is big in certain parts of Africa. Mm. But over it, but the GB would have it believed that black people don't cycle. Well, again, so, it's about and, and we, we talked about it well before we clicked record. Uh, being visible. Yeah, it's being visible. Being, being visible. visible. I I remember going to an event in Hackney in Black History Month in 2017, and I came across this guy who runs a cycling club for amateurs for young people in in Hackney, and he gets no funding, but mm. or very little funding. And these are potential, they are the potential professional cyclists when they grow up. Yeah. And because it's from a, a what, urban, a diverse area, they don't get any funding. And I look around and you see Team GB, and I don't see myself in there. That's why I don't really watch track cycling. But when I see, um, I remember when I, I came across something on, on the internet, I came across a book of a guy, uh, autobiography of a guy, um, a Rwandan black cyclist. I thought to myself, let me read that. And that just really opened my mind up to, oh my God, how he got, how it started in Rwanda, how they started the cycling and the African cyclists. And that's why I follow them on now on Twitter. And I'm, I'm engaged because, it, like I said, I'm curious. I need to find out what's out there. And what's out there is amazing. So there are black cyclists that do cycle but they don't get the opportunity because they're not part of the elite group like Team GB. Yeah, well, let's see if we can change that. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so because um, after, I know like Marlon's going to be having more expeditions re next year mm. uh, about, um, about the back British cycling champions. But it, it, that was so interesting to find out because you, when you talk to on the TV, you believe that black people don't cycle. Like they say, black people don't swim, but they do swim. Especially yeah. in Jamaica, you've got, you've got gold, gold medal winners in Jamaica. Yeah. And even yeah. in the US, but not in yeah. the UK. I yeah. think there's one well, in the UK now, but yeah. Yeah, it's the weather. And that too. <laughs> <laughs> right.
before we wrap it up, I'm going to say, um, obviously, thank you very much. But I need to ask, um, well, not say ask, how's, how's, how's Arsenal getting on? I'm a lady and I can't respond. <laughs> I'm a lady and I would like to, and I'm going to plead the fifth. I know we're not in America, but I'm pleading the fifth. Pleading the fifth. Well, fair, that's fair enough. Like, look, we both, we both have you know, our... Before you, before you go, did you know there was a, a FIFA Club World Cup taking place this week? Uh-huh. No. Where? Yes. Where? In Tunisia, I think. Tunisia? Yeah. FIFA World... FIFA Club World Cup. And Liverpool have got through to the final. Oh, yes, of course. Yes, it's them. Yes, yes, yes. Let's not talk about Liverpool. <laughs> you know, you know where I you know where I stand. As a Manchester United oh, fan, I've got my own concerns, you know. But you know, when you but know yeah, the, the, that... the class system, you always kind of look down on those less fortunate than yourself. So that's why I asked you how Arsenal are getting on, you know. <laughs> oh, you went there. But yeah. yeah, but that FIFA Club World Cup only I stumbled across it on I think it's on YouTube when I was yeah. going through my through, through my um, my uh, listings. And I can't watch this. And yeah. I realized and when you see the thing about it is when you see and that's why I love it, international football, because you got black, brown, white people all coming together from different countries and they love football. Always. And they're all black and brown people in the stadiums too. And it's yeah. it's fantastic. I went to the African Nations Cup some number of years ago in Ghana. That was neat. that was fantastic. Oh my god, it was awesome. Yeah, I do you know what Best I would ever. say I'm I'm very, very jealous. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was it was the best thing ever. Um I like to go to a World Cup but for just for the atmosphere. Um yeah. not I don't think England would do very well, but just for just for the atmosphere. The atmosphere is fantastic. It well, really, you really it is. And I'll join you. Well you buy the tickets. And I only fly first class when somebody else is buying. Five star hotel, get the tickets, and yeah. um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be down in the, in in the in the first two rows of the stadium. I don't see upstairs with the gods. I'm just I'm letting you know. To, I'm gonna have to send a message to my to 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 Megan Rapone and say, hook a man up. Oh my gosh, you know that you you know that she's my hero. She is my I thought, hero. I thought I'd just drop that in. You had to. She, she is my hero. Because when she says, like, we have pink hair, we have purple hair, we've got dreadlocks, there are white people, there are white women, there are black women, we all play football. And it's true. And yeah. I like how she's taken a stand, she speaks up, and she's just fantastic. She, yeah. is, she is what we need. And... Yeah, she, and I'm glad she blasted the, the, some of the male footballers who had the money, who had the money, like Messi and Ronaldo, to speak up and yeah. speak up. Yeah, do you know something? We will end it there because you touched it on the right note. I know we're going to get some comments about that, but we don't Bring mind. the comments on! Bring the comments, please. <laughs> bring the comments and the questions. It's been brilliant. No, but when I say brilliant. bring the comments, yeah. put clothes on your argument. <laughs> Close on your argument. Don't come with some wishy washy wishy thing. Pork close on your argument. Yeah, and come correct. You listeners, right? This, this, <laughs> this, this, this lady, Vivian, yes? Be ready. Don't come half, half measured. 
she she will yeah she yeah, will leave you crispy mean... like Arsenal <laughs> you'll be fine but seriously you've got I just say black and brown people we've got we've got to go past yes there's so much racism out there we get that we get that but if we don't step up and try and change it it's always going to be there I mean nothing's going to be done so I would say if there's an issue, if you, if you experience discrimination or some form of discrimination when you're playing football, find out how you can complain. It's at grassroots football. Find out how you can complain and log that complaint and yeah. see all the way through. Um, you, you've got to, we've got to use our voices and we've got to get involved. Um, when there's opportunities to be involved, like when we're looking for women for our, for our women's advisory group, you've got to um, step up. Because that's only how things are going to change. We can all sit there, heckle from the cheap seats, throw bananas, throw, throw tomatoes or whatever, rotten eggs, and complain and com complain and complain. But if we don't do nothing ourselves, nothing's going to change. That's brilliant. A, a, a lovely way to end. I'm going to say thank you, Vivian, for your time. And I, I hope we can do this again. Yeah, no problem. Since it's Christmas, this is my Christmas present. What? <coughs> Hello. <laughs> it's the doorbell. <laughs> the doorbell. Okay, have a good yeah. day. I'll, I'll have a good day. Thank you very much, everyone, uh, and we'll see you very, very soon. Bye for now. Please like, share, no and subscribe. Problem.